The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by George Rodriguez on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, 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 my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio on this beautiful March uh, 6th of 2021. And I'm saying beautiful because it wasn't too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, that we were buried in uh, freezing cold snow. And uh, now, I mean, it is it is gorgeous outside, my friends. It is absolutely fantastic. Um, things are great for us, but uh, I don't know if you've been noticing what's been going on at the border, my friends. Lots of things going on at the border, and we're going to talk about them today. Um, we've got a border crisis, even though the... Uh, uh, the uh, Biden administration refuses to call it that. Uh, they call it a challenge. Can you imagine? You know, they're very good at, at playing with words. They're not so good at, at, at accepting reality. That's the thing. I'll say that again. They're good at playing with words, but they're not good at accepting reality. The reality is, my friends, we've got a border that's out of control. We've got an illegal immigration problem. We've got aliens immigrants, whatever you want to call them, foreigners coming into our country by the thousands. We are turning into the world's orphanage with little kids being used and trafficked so that people could get into the country. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a mess. It is an absolute mess. And we're going to try to provide you some background, some information, uh, just, uh, just so that you understand. Um, first of all, we've got um, Congressman, uh, U.S. Congressman Tony Gonzalez, whose district covers the largest uh, border uh, with Mexico. His district covers the largest border with Mexico of any any district in the United States. Um, we've got. He's going to be chatting with us about what uh, he is seeing and how what he is doing to address this issue in um, in Washington D.C. Uh, we next we also have uh, uh, a, a gentleman uh, an issue that is being buried, if not ignored. Uh, by the news media, by the fake news media, because they're so busy concentrating on the issue of uh, these migrants, as they call them, these illegal aliens, we call them, but migrants, that they're forgetting the role of the cartels. And uh, we've got a gentleman who was on, uh, this this interview was done uh, a couple of, uh, several months ago. It's with Mr. Sal Martinez, and Sal used to be a DEA agent he is a retired DEE agent, uh, and he worked in Mexico. And he's going to tell us exactly uh, about his experience and what is happening with the doggone cartels. What is you know we're, we're ignoring them, my friends. We're ignoring them. We also have um, Mr. Brandon Judd. Mr. Brandon Judd is the president of the Border Patrol's Union of the Border Patrol Agents Union, uh, the council, and uh, you know the. Uh, they are on the front lines of this mess that Biden has created. Now, uh, you know, just like uh, the police union, that all of a sudden the Democrats want to abolish the police, uh, all of a sudden there is a real effort to try to ignore the, poli- the, the Border Patrol Agents Union because these guys, my friends, if there's anyone that knows what's happening on the front lines of the border, it's these guys. And unfortunately, they are ignored completely and totally by the Biden administration. And, uh, well, and they're also ignored by the, by the news media, too. So, you know, it, it's a very inconvenient truth, as Mr. Gore would say. Uh, but the, the, the facts are there. And these guys know what, exactly what's going on. Our final guest, our final guest is Mr. Peter Holmes, who is a property owner near the border. He's not on the border, but he's near the border. However... He is seeing damage and threats to his property from from the torrent, from the tsunami of illegal aliens coming across the border. You know, you've got to hear his story. So, my friends, hang on to your seats. We've got a, a great program for you. Hang on to your seats. Stay tuned. Call your friends and tell them to uh, tune in to... to uh, 
George Rodriguez is El Conservador on KLUP 930 AM radio. And we've got a uh, new guest, a very special guest with us. We've got Congressman uh, Tony Gonzalez from uh, the, uh, the state of Texas. And uh, he is a freshman congressman. He just took over Will Hurd's uh, uh, seat uh, this past year. And we're excited to get him on here because the congressman has the largest uh, border with Mexico of any district uh, in the nation. So we had to, give, given what's going on at the border right now, Congressman, welcome to the show. Tell us, what can you tell us about what's going on in your district? Hey, George, thanks for having me. Uh, look, our southern border is on fire, and anybody that doesn't uh, see it that way doesn't spend time in Texas. I mean, I've got, I've got mayors, I've got sheriffs, judges, everyday people, just blowing up our communications, our phones, letting us know that the uh, what is happening at the border is out of control. You know, uh, this past week I landed uh, after spending a week in D.C. in San Antonio on, on Saturday, and we immediately went out to this facility that, uh, that uh, houses unaccompanied minors. And, and this facility, they opened it up on Monday. Within three days, it's at max capacity. I mean, it's just absolutely unbelievable the amount of, um, of issues that are happening on the border. You know, a lot of it is, you know, the, the new administration kind of gave this promise of open borders. And people took them at their word, and, and they started to, to come, to come in, in, in numbers that haven't been seen in a long time. The reality is our communities can't, uh, can't tackle the, the, the large influx. Our Border Patrol can't, can't handle it either. Yeah, it's uh, we just uh, had an interview with the uh, Border Patrol uh, Council President, the National Council President, and he was telling us about uh, the challenges that his uh, his men are facing. Congressman, what do you think the solution to all of this is going to be? Yeah, well, before I get into the solution, you know, it just, just a couple of weeks ago, you know, all of Texas was impacted. We didn't have water. We didn't have electricity. Everybody was just trying to, to kind of survive and make it through. So imagine you're one of these communities on the border, you know, Del Rio, Eagle Pass, El Paso, whatever, Presidio. And, and not only is your community without water and electricity, but all of a sudden you've got hundreds of migrants that get dropped into your community. That is exactly what happened. And you had folks that go, look, I want to, I want to help out, and I, and I want to be, you know, I want to be a, a good Christian and help out. But the issue is, there's just not enough resources to go about, and especially in that environment. Now, what do I think the solution is? You know, I dropped a bill, the Security Post Act, uh, and, and I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit. As I've made my way around the district, what I've tried to do is listen, just listen to the people that live it every single day the people that work in that space every single day. And, and this is what they've told me, whether they're sheriffs, whether they're Border Patrol agents, police officers, nonprofits, business owners, or everyday citizens, it's all been the same. They need help. And one of the areas, one of the programs that has particularly worked is a program called Operation Stone Garden. And what that does is it, it's a federal grant that allows uh, sheriffs and police officers that operate in the immigration space to be funded. And here's the thing, in these smaller communities like Uvalde or, or out at, on the border, uh, Presidio and elsewhere, the sheriffs are the ones doing a lot of the heavy lifting. So part of my bill, the Security First Act, it doubles federal funding for uh, for this, for Operation Stone Garden. That's excellent. That's excellent. Yeah, we've had, we've had uh, Sheriff... Um, uh, Arvo West uh, on our show before, and uh, he was telling us about what was happening in his backyard. <laughs> and here's the thing, George. Here's the thing. These sheriffs, they're Democrats, they're Republicans. Like, it's not a partisan issue. All of them are in the same boat, and all of them are asking for the same thing. There's some other things that this bill does, too. Uh, you know, one of the, the most difficult things is keeping Border Patrol agents uh, on the border. I mean, it is a tough job. They get beat up quite a bit. The pay isn't great. They're, they're, they're constantly under attack for various different reasons. So this bill looks at how we can increase the number of agents, right, through recruiting and retention. I think that's important to look at it. Another one, A, it just calls a spade what, it, what a spade is, and it, it asks that we, we look into designating – 
that's excellent. That's excellent. I mean, that's one of the things that we've talked about on our show is about uh, designating the cartels uh, terrorist organizations. I think that would help a lot. Uh, Congressman, one last question. Um, do you think uh, do you think that uh, this uh, effort by some of your uh, uh, Democrat um, uh, 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 congressmen, uh, some of your uh, friendly opposition, let's call them that, uh, that want to defund uh, the uh, the Border Patrol and ICE, do you think that it will ever uh, happen or or take uh, foothold in any form or fashion? Defunding Border Patrol and ICE is pure madness. And anybody that supports that has never operated in that space at all. They've never lived on the border, never worked on the border. They've never been in a community at all like that. You know, I think there's a way to be compassionate and to push for legal immigration, to update our process. Absolutely, there's a process to that. But to want to undercut the men and women that are keeping our borders safe is just outrageous. I would argue that there is a growing push for that. You know, these AOC types that are just have this left-leaning rhetoric is just out of control. But what you're seeing is you're seeing members along the border uh, that are that are Democrat members, right? Henry Cuellar, Vicente Gonzalez, and others that, that they they share the same issues that I do. Like the border doesn't stop; it doesn't change because somebody's a Republican or a Democrat. We are all in on this together, and I believe part of the solution is giving more resources to Border Patrol agents, to sheriffs, and to police forces that are doing that work. But we have to highlight our southern border is on fire, and we have to address it now before it even gets worse. I really, you know, that, that, that you couldn't say, you could not take the words out of my mouth on, on that point. Congressman, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us. Uh, we hope that you're staying safe <laughs> in Washington. Uh, and here in Texas, I hope you're staying warm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, thank you, George. Thanks for, thank you for having me. I always listen to your show, and I wish you nothing but the best. Well, we want to get you back on. We want to, we'll be talking to your uh, staff, and we definitely want to, want to get you back on again. We uh, have uh, other congressmen on, on as regular guests, and we definitely would like to get you on. Perfect. Sounds great, George. Y'all take care. Thank you. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM radio. And that we've been talking with Congressman uh, Tony Gonzalez from Texas. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. Howdy, 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 folks. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And uh, we've got uh, another very, very interesting guest for us. And um, we've got uh, Mr. Sal Martinez. And Sal is a, uh, has written a book uh, called NARC, Convictions of a DEA Agent. And we want to chat with, with uh, Sal uh, not only about his book, but uh, his personal experiences. Um, this situation that we've got that we reported about, about earlier regarding the murder level, uh, the amount of chaos, the murder that's going on in, in Mexico, 17,000, over 17,000 uh, murders in the past six months. And um, Sal being a DEA agent um, and having been born and raised in, on the border in El Paso, uh, he um, he is going to shed a little bit of light on us for uh, about all this stuff. So, Sal, welcome to the show. Thank you, uh, thank you for being with us. Um, tell us uh, about uh, your book and your and whatever uh, connection you might uh, be able to make to this uh, uh, horrible situation that's going on in Mexico right now with the uh, with the uh, with the murder rate. Yeah. Well, well, first of all, I, I was born and raised in El Paso, so I'm very familiar with the uh, border culture and, and uh, things along the border that actually happened back in the started back in the '90s when the, the drug cartel started escalating and 
we're literally running local governments and uh, overriding many law enforcement authorities. Uh, so as as I grew up, I, I, I became a state trooper and uh, worked a little bit of traffic before I ended up going to go to the Drug Enforcement Administration and ended up being stationed back in El Paso, my hometown. And while I was working there, I had a lot of uh, success arresting many um, drug violators and also tons of illicit drugs. So then I was asked to work in Juarez uh, under, uh, without any actual <laughs> formal approval by any of the, the government. So uh, technically I was working uh, under the radar. So as I was over there, I was, I was looking at how the drug cartels, originally they would just murder people that were specifically tied into to the drug trafficking uh, organizations. But in, in la- now it's got to the point where a lot of uh, innocent bystanders are getting caught in a crossfire. So uh, what's going to happen is we have inept law enforcement agencies over there, and you can get military and law enforcement all trying to, to cover the streets, George, but it's not going to happen. I mean, the, the, the killing is going to continue. It's very interesting because there, uh, coupled with the story about the murder rate was also another story about how the um, how the Mexican government is cracking down on the illegal aliens from uh, from uh, Central America, that they're starting to deport them and remove them, et cetera, et cetera. And there's very, very little outcry. There's very, there's a lot of support for the, for the Mexican government doing that. But uh, when it comes to the issue of the murder rate and the violence, uh, uh, not much is being done about that, I guess. Well, I have little faith in, in a lot of the, uh, the mil- uh, Mexican mili- uh, military actions and uh, law enforcement actions because a lot of them, unfortunately, are not uh, motivated because of low pay. On the other hand, you have uh, a lot of uh, you have people making decisions and allowing certain factions to to control those areas so you're going to have a lot of corruption now the other thing is, is to put uh, uh, military and police uh, saying that they're going to put them on the border they, they should have done that a long time ago any country should protect uh, their their borders mexico hasn't been doing it they're letting all these people from central and south america come up right through their uh, through their country uh, as a pathway to enter the united states uh, shame on them for, for allowing that to happen so uh, by them Putting out there saying they're going to do that I, again, I have little faith. Unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of cases of abuse and uh, kidnappings, extortions, and, and murders, and uh, it's just not a very good situation. I just don't have faith in the Mexican um, uh, system right now. Now, tell us, tell us about your particular. Tell us about your book and what you write about uh, regarding the whole situation that you experienced uh, in uh, in your days as a DEA agent down there. And I was a very successful undercover agent there in El Paso, and and, uh, and by seeing a lot of the bureaucratic uh, aspects of, of the DEA working with the Mexican government, uh, we, we provide the American taxpayers provide multi-million-dollar uh, packages for the drug war, and a lot of that money never makes it down to the frontline soldiers. I was down there with those officers. I would have to provide them with uh, our own money from our own DEA offices. So. I explained a lot of that stuff when I was working in Mexico. Was I did that for several years, and there was a, again many times I had a an AK-47 in my face. Uh, I was trying to do something good for God and country, and as I did that, I was just seeing a lot of the negative aspects of the Mexican uh, version of law of the drug war. Now, if something would have happened to you, if something would have you know gone wrong, what would uh, the American government would have done? What what would have been the response to that kind of a of a situation? Well, there, uh, there was like I said, very, uh, there was a couple times, like I said, uh, I was held at gunpoint, and and uh, literally a, a trigger, each trigger would have would have ended my life. But uh, once my supervisors, they would ask me, "Well, how do you feel about it?" Well, I, I said, "I'm okay. I did, I made it. So, uh, all right. I mean, it's up to you if you want to go back. Of course, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I think thought was our was our mission." Uh, and I, I really, uh, the personal, another situation occurred at the end where the government did turn its back on me. And that's why, that's part of my book as well. I, I explain how I've been to both extremes of the criminal justice system. And uh, I, I show people, and especially people in law enforcement, they should read this book because they, uh, it explains, and they'll relate to a lot of my stories, but they're going to be uh, amazed at what happened in the end. Wow. The, uh, the situation with uh, law enforcement folks, uh, having to depend on people who could be bought off very easily. I mean, isn't that, isn't that just frightening and, and so 
uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I don't know if I could trust anybody like that. That's right, especially down in the drug war. The drug, the drug culture itself is plata o plomo, you know, did lead or silver. So regardless of, and then there's a lot of teams that I work with, George. These, these Mexican, uh, young Mexican law enforcement officials that were, were vetted, uh, they were supposed to be help us out and, and work by national uh, lateral investigations. But within months, a lot of them were bought off by the, the cartel. Uh, and unfortunately, it's going to continue. I mean, it's going to take generations before anything changes down there in Mexico. I, I you know, I, the the culture, the culture of uh, la mordida, the the bribe, uh, it, it's so ingrained. Uh, I am not sure how the heck you ever, you know, we can ever overcome that. And uh, you know, I mean, having uh, having to work in such a culture undercover, I you know, would have been absolutely scary. You know, some of the things that, uh, again, regarding the complacency of the Mexican people, uh, if anything, we would be rioting over here in the United States if things were happening the way they are down there. I mean, it was literally, they need to go on and have some kind of general mass movement to change and, and to eliminate the politicians who are not helping out the poor. But as for the other stuff that I was doing, George, regarding the, uh, uh, the, the actually witnessed uh, tortures and, and extortions and, and uh, other things that the Mexican law enforcement authorities would do down there just to try to get uh, handed their way. And unfortunately, I, I didn't like what I saw. The, uh, you know, bringing up the violence, I remember that there were, uh, there, there, uh, there have been body parts that turn up uh, even now, um, you know, as the cartels fight with each other and as they uh, try to send messages uh, to politicians. Um, is that still very, very common down there? Absolutely. I think the uh, level of, uh, violence is going to continue and it's just going to get more grotesque. There's like a tolerance uh, that has just been uh, exponentially grown the last decade. Uh, I think uh, a lot of these factions are, are, are breaking away from the main, main cartel organizations and that's, that's where a lot of the violence is coming from. So uh, it just it's not going to get any easier. Uh, those people, again, has to, has to be, they have to rely on, on a much more effective law enforcement uh, you know, presence and uh, and investigations, because I mean, even when they get arrested down there, George, they're, they're letting them go. You know, they have political contacts, and the and the, the people that get arrested, they're, they're being allowed to, to go back to the streets and operate. Even when they're in jail, though, they, uh, they they can still operate their organizations. One of the things that was very curious uh, uh, it was when uh, El Chapo Guzman's wife uh, wanted to bring him some uh, enchiladas because he hadn't had any homemade cooking in his uh, in his cell. Uh, it, it showed the absurdity, the absolute absurdity of this situation. Uh, I, I, I mean, what can you comment about that? Well, again, I think if, if she actually did want something like that, that was it showed a little bit of uh, arrogance on her part to bring something like that. Or you just don't do stuff like that. Or maybe in Mexican prisons you do, but not over here. Uh, again, I, I, for the whole situation about him being in jail, sure, the family's going to be devastated. Anybody who has someone who's gone to prison, their whole family's devastated. So I believe me, I can provide firsthand accounts about that. Wow, uh, what would you what would you tell the the American public, uh, our audience, uh, regarding the violence that's going on down there and your experience? What have you seen? What do you think is where are we headed? I think the thing's not going to change. Nothing's going to change in Mexico, and that's what we're focused on. Let's see what happens in Mexico, and what's going to happen is that the law enforcement authorities have to have some kind of organized effort. To, to combat the traffickers. They have to have a, a much more uh, effective judicial system uh, with, the, with the prosecutors and attorneys and, and providing the, the evidence necessary to go on and convict these cartel members. But again, they're, they're inept down there. They're not providing uh, their, 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 their law enforcement officers with, with proper pay or training. So thus, the cartels are a lot more aggressive and much, much more powerful politically. And again, with all the ammunition and and weapons and manpower, it doesn't look good. Tell the folks uh, where they can find your book. Your The book, name of your book, once again, is um, NARC, Convictions of a DA, DEA Agent. Uh, tell the folks where they can, where they can, uh, where, where they can uh, uh, get a copy. I have it on uh, Amazon and uh, or Barnes & Noble. You can get it online. Uh, I'm, it's a self-published book, so I'm having a hard time to get the, somebody to put it in a available at the public uh, forums, but right now we can get them on, you can get it through Amazon or, uh, or Barnes & Noble online. Great. Thank you very much. Um, 
one last question. Let me let me ask you real quick. Do uh, do you think that it would be helpful to put to put um, the cartels on a terrorist list? I think a lot of this is, uh, it doesn't really help. Let's just say like this FBI most wanted list. I mean, I think it's somewhat of a publicity thing. It really is. Uh, I think if we, we know who they are and the people who are trying to arrest these people uh, know who they are. So I think that's our priority is to put it out there for, for any uh, public citizen just to be aware of who they are. It's not really going to help, George. I think it's it's more of a thing where uh, the, the, the law enforcement authorities on, on the, here in the United States know who they are. And that's our priority. Gotcha. Thank you very much for taking time to uh, to be with us. Uh, we've been talking with Mr. Sal uh, Martinez, who is uh, who has written a book, Narc: Convictions of a DEA Agent. Thank you for being with us once again. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP nine thirty AM Radio, The Answer. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez on El Conservador on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. And uh, following up uh, on our discussions regarding the whole issue of what is happening at the border, we've got a new guest with us, Mr. Peter Holmes, who is a, uh, a, a an orthopedic surgeon, and he is uh, he owns a ranch. And what's very interesting about this is that he owns a ranch near the border. It's not on the border. He's about 35 miles away from the border. But the things that he is seeing now at his ranch uh, are scary, folks, because um, this, uh, what he is seeing, my friends, is coming to your neighborhood. I guarantee it is coming to your neighborhood. So, uh, Peter, thank you for taking time to be with us. Uh, First of all, tell us whereabouts you live. Whereabouts is your ranch, should I say? And then uh, then tell us what's been going on. It's in Kenny County. It's um, 18 miles north of a town called Brackettville. It's on a road called 674. <clears throat> We're about, um, it's in the middle of nowhere, which is why I originally got it. It's uh, 1,600 acres I run, and it's, it's a hunting ranch. <clears throat> and it's about 35 miles from Del Rio, if you east of Del Rio. And it's about 45 miles from the... Um, the uh, river itself or the border itself so it's in that triangle so we're pretty far from the border um in general but we've been getting a, a whole lot of traffic and there's a lot of signs and we're constantly fixing fence and we're and we're having issues and it's just like and whatever you hear me say you gotta remember the people coming across my ranch are coming across my ranch they're not staying there they're coming here it's amazing, yeah, really. So, I mean, you know, your your ranch is just a crossing point. So, all you're doing is watching. I mean, it's like you're watching people coming into the stadium. You're watching the crowd at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sort of weird because um, they come in for different reasons or, or come across for different reasons. There's a series of, of you know you get a lot from the border patrol. They can only tell you so much as to blah blah blah. But I'm getting in trouble. Um, there's a series of coyotes, for example. They don't necessarily walk 35 miles to my ranch. They're probably dropped off, some of them, by a coyote. Um, it drops off, let's say, 12. And then then they cut my fence. Thank you very much. And then they walk through my ranch. And then they get picked up by another coyote um, on the road north of me or east of me. And then they take them to whatever city that they're, they're going to, San Antonio, Detroit, um, depending on the... Uh, the mode, modus of that person, if it's MS-13, they're going to Detroit to fill in the ones taken out, if it's blah, 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 and it's a whole spectrum of folks. Um, it's, you know, I don't know how to tell you this. You feel, you feel like a government, government has one job to start with, and that's to protect its citizens. You know, and I feel violated. Uh, we, I, I shouldn't feel like this is my private property, and I'm, I'm very typical of all the ranchers along there. You know, we had 40-something people across my ranch last weekend in at least four different groups. One group was 27 people, um, and then we had five or six in some other groups. One group is dressed completely in camo with backpacks. You know, they're not coming here to mow your yard, the, um, and they're dropped way up past the border. And this is my private property that I used to bring my grandkids out to. How would you feel about bringing your grandkids out if they caught 40-something people 
crossing your private property with motives unknown, uh, and, they're not, and they're not coming here to necessarily mow your yard. Yeah, these folks aren't necessarily coming just to get, quote, citizenship. There's a reason they're up 35 miles from the border. The ones at the border are turning themselves in, planning on getting amnesty, planning on voting and turning Texas blue. These people are 35 miles up on the way. Why are they avoiding the border? Because they don't want to get caught. And, and so an activity we do, which sounds like a, 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 you have to do this now, is my wife and I will actually walk the fence line, like on a, on a Saturday after I go up there, and we fix people holes. Now, what people holes are, are holes in my high fence that are cut by uh, wire cutters and to allow a large group of people through. Now, do they close it behind them? No. So it, two things happen. They get through, cut fence holes, and then I bear the expense of the animals to get out because the government does not reimburse us. And so the private citizens are bearing the full brunt of all the damages and taking the full brunt of all the risks. Let me, let me, let me, let me see if I can put it in, in, in concise words for you uh, so that the folks understand. I want to be sure that people, uh, that we underscore this point, is that because of the Biden administration or because of the Congress's failure to secure the border and to stop uh, encouraging illegal immigration, because of that, people are, are, are destroying your property, probably hurting some of your animals. In essence, your property, your personal life is being violated because of incompetence and inability for uh, of of the politics in Washington, correct? Yeah, and and what the reason it's probably happening more and more, even so, is if you're swamping up poor border patrol, you know, with with hundreds right there at the river, and they're all turning themselves in because they want to get amnesty, they are socked busy, right? So that takes away their normal patrols and normal things that they can do further up, where the real bad people. Now, they just can come all the way through because the Border Patrol is busy. They're over there just trying to sign in people and just trying to decide if they may or may not have COVID, if they, you know, whatever they are, what country they're even coming from on this thing. And so, again, here you have this, this land that, you know, I'm paying for. I didn't inherit this. Well, you're paying taxes as well, right? I mean, and, you're paying taxes, both state and federal taxes, as right. well as local taxes. And, and, and I have a double wide on there, and... It could be burned tomorrow, and you know what? Insurance wouldn't cover it because it's arson. Um, the, the 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 people that have you know we've had, I've had at least four or five cars or trucks which are always stolen. This is how they do it: they steal a truck, they go down to Mexico, and then they they use a stolen truck to bring um, a lot of human trafficking and or drugs. And so they have nothing to lose with this truck because it's stolen. Right. In case you want to know where your truck's going, that's where it's going down there. You get, they take out the back seat right away. There's, if you find a back seat on the side of the road or see one, that truck's going to Mexico to get packed with people or drugs. So what happens is they these cars, now that they're full of booty, run up 674 between Highway 90 and, and I-10, and they start getting chased. you got somebody that doesn't want to get caught. And they go as fast as they can, and just as the officers get on them, They'll bust through the nearest fence. They don't worry about a gate. They'll bust through the nearest fence and take out as much fence line, usually, you know, because they're not very good at busting through fence. That wasn't their intent. And they go as far as that stolen truck will across your your ranch until an axle breaks. The doors fly open, and all the human trafficking people jump out like the spokes of a wheel and go all different directions. And the reason they go different directions is the officers chasing them. Maybe it's one or two officers, and there's 12 people. They're not going to get all 12. So they know if they run out like spokes of the wheel that they're going to get two or maybe three, and the other eight or nine are gone, and they're heading off to their next meeting place to get picked up by the next coyote to get on their way to the next city. So that's the, that's the industry. That's what's going on. And I'm just a guy sitting there watching this stuff. Um, but you can see how all this stuff's going on. Now, that's been fine. I have to fix it. That is my fence post. That's my wires. That's my hundred yards. That you know, the state of Texas doesn't reimburse you. The federal government doesn't reimburse you. What is the deal? Where all this danger 
and all this property damage is now the onus of the citizen. It's crazy. They, they, they're, they're threatening the citizen, but they're protecting the invaders. It's just, it's just, and, and so here I am, a grandfather, five grandkids. Do you think I should bring my five grandkids out there and sleep? No way. The only one I'm, people I bring out there are my hunters, because they're armed, and, and myself, and my, and my people that, that work for me. But I can't bring my family out there. The, the, the weekend getaway is gone. That land is being, I'm being invaded, I'm being violated. And, you know, I'm not whining just for me. These folks are not staying on my ranch. They're heads right to the west side of this town, and then to wherever they go from there, if, if not directly being shipped up to um, cities to make up for the um, lost manpower. Yep, yep. So, so if you had a magic wand, or if you had the ear, the complete and total attention of Congress, of, uh, of the president, of uh, the governor, and the state legislature, what would you tell them to do? Well, first of all, you know darn well our president's not going to do anything but promote this. So you can tell him all you want, and he's going to stare at you with those eyes, those blank eyes. The wall is exactly what we need. And, and the reason for the wall is you can have doors in the wall. And at least you know what's coming through. When the door of the wall, when there's no wall, the door is 400 miles long. There's no door. And, and, and so you need a wall, and that's not going to happen with this president. And so when I would, my next year I want to talk to is Governor Abbott. Abbott needs to protect Texan citizens, okay? Um, and so does our state legislature. They need to get the National Guard down there. They need, they need to take over where, where Biden is purposely allowing these people in and protect us. I want to go back to my ranch with my grandkids. Um, you don't want folks coming across in fatigues across my ranch from, and don't think they're just coming from Mexico. They're coming from every country in the world, and, and Pakistan, Africa. Um, let's see, what group did they get about three or four weeks ago? Uh, Chinese. I mean, come on. This, it's just, it's like an open door. If you want to get in the United States and you have a bad visa problem and you can't get on an airplane, you don't get on an airplane. You go to Mexico and you get a human trafficker, and depending on how bad a boy you are, um, you're going to pay eight to sixteen thousand dollars a head. So that's what's in that car with, with ten or fifteen people. You do the math. Ten times fifteen thousand—that's one hundred fifty grand running up that up that highway. Right. Um, the people running that are people that can't fly in. Right. Take a hint. Yeah, Peter. Uh, we got We got to close here, but um, uh, I, I would imagine that uh, many other people. Uh, in in uh, Kenny County, as well as other parts of the of the uh, state that uh, that border uh, on Mexico, or uh, other residents are having a similar problem with. Oh, the, they got to be horrible! I'm 35 miles, and I still have yep. 40 some people caught in four groups just last weekend. Oh my gosh, incredible, buddy! Thank you very very much. We've been talking with Peter Holmes, who is a Hi, a, a resident in Kenny County, and. Uh, we thank you once again. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. Howdy, howdy, howdy once again, my friends. George Rodriguez. El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio. And uh, we've got uh, our good friend, Mr. Brandon Judd, who is president of the uh, Border Patrol uh, Union, the Border Patrol, uh, what do they call it? Uh, it's not called a council. union. Council, the council. And uh, I wanted to get him on the show, my friends, because 
We've been talking with FAIR, we've been talking with the Immigration Reform Law Institute, and we've been talking even with congressmen about the issue of what is happening at the border. But uh, I wanted to get somebody who is at the border, somebody who is right in the front lines, and that is Brandon, who is uh, representing the Border Patrol, the Border Patrol agents. Brandon, thank you for, uh, for, for taking time to be on our show. What's it like? What is going on uh, I- I- at the border? And what has caused, in your opinion, what has caused this, this uh, situation that we're looking at? Well, from a, from a frontline perspective, from somebody that puts on a uniform and goes out and patrols the border, what's most disappointing to me is uh, the, the policies that are driving the current surge in illegal immigration. Um, what we saw in uh, you know uh, the last couple of years is we saw policies that were being enacted that would drive illegal immigration to low numbers. We removed the magnet that drew people here to the United States, and now that magnet is being reintroduced. And when you reintroduce that magnet, you should expect to see exactly what's happening. Now, in my in, in the area where I patrol the border in, in Tucson, Arizona, um, we're seeing huge increases in illegal immigration. And I was just in uh, the Rio Grande Valley yesterday to see what was going on out there. And, uh, you know, they're getting hit even harder um, out there than what we are in, in Tucson. But those two particular corridors is where we're really getting hit, uh, slammed with illegal immigration. And it's due to um, President Biden running on a platform of getting rid of the remaining Mexico program. And again, politics being politics, we understand um, that that's going to happen. But what you can't do is you can't get rid of a program that addresses the root cause of an issue without replacing it with another program that continues to address that problem. If you don't address, if you get rid of a program and you don't put something else in place, you're obviously going to cause illegal immigration to, to surge again, and that's what we're seeing right now. So, so in real time, in, in real time, as we're speaking right now, um, I'm going to have to agree with uh, with Secretary Mayorkas that we're not in a crisis right now at this point, but. If we continue to see the day-over-day increases that we're seeing right now, we're going to hit that crisis within 30 days. So we manage the situation right now that we're currently seeing. We manage that situation under the Trump administration, and it wasn't necessarily a crisis. But then once it hit to the point where our resources were completely and totally overwhelmed, um, then it becomes that crisis. And we're going to be there very, very soon if the administration does not address the issue that we're seeing. And, you know, frankly, I, I don't think that they're going to address it. So I think that we're going to be in a crisis. Um, and, and, again, like I said, we're fast approaching that point. What policies, what, uh, what, what, what policies do, you, do you see that they've changed that uh, are, are, are creating this situation? So there's a couple things. Um, when uh, under, under Title 42, we were able to expel um, nearly everybody that crossed the border illegally under Title 42. Uh, the new administration has now come in, and they have uh, specifically said that there are certain segments that are not amenable to Title 42. Mexico has now pushed back on Title 42 in certain areas like the, the Rio Grande Valley, saying that they're not going to accept people back. Um, and that was, again, that's what you have to expect the, the Biden administration to step up and say, okay, Mexico, if you're not going to be a true border security partner, um, this is what we're going to do. You know, you have to be a border security partner if you expect us to be a partner with you in other in other ways. And, and again, the Biden administration hasn't done that yet. Um, and, and then to exclude certain segments from Title 42, uh, that is draws people to cross our borders illegally. The other thing that the main thing, again, is the Remain in Mexico program. By getting rid of that program and not replacing it with another program, those two issues, Title 42 and the Remain in Mexico, is what is driving the search. Uh, the, uh, explain to us what catch and release was, because we keep hearing that uh, that's been reinstituted, and I'm not sure if it has or hasn't because I'm not yeah. sure exactly what that means, catch and release. So what catch and release means, it, it's a legal process, first and foremost. Yeah, so so I, I want the listeners to understand that. Um, when somebody crosses the border illegally, we can, we can do one of two things. We can hold them in custody pending their deportation proceedings, or we can release them on what's called their own recognizance and give them a 
only have um, so many jail facilities. Uh, we, we call them beds. We only have so much bed space for, for people to cross the border illegally. So if we get overwhelmed, we get to the point where you have to um, release people on their own recognizance and then hope that they show up to their court date some, uh, some two years down the road, which, again, we also know that they don't do that. So that's the process. No, so releasing them on their own recognizance is a legal process, but then when they don't show up to their court dates, that's an illegal process, and that's the problem. But unless you in- implement programs like the Remain in Mexico program, um, when we start releasing people, that is what draws people, and that's the catch and release, when it draws people over here, because they know that ultimately they're going to get released, so they're, they're going to reach their goal of getting here into the United States, and then they know that once they're here, they're free, because there's next to no interior enforcement, so there's no way to go pick them up if, uh, if they don't show up to their court. Right, so theoretically, uh, or, or legally, they are legal aliens once they come in, once they they introduce themselves and are processed, but then once they overstay or don't show up there for their court date, then they become illegal aliens. Correct? Absolutely. So they, they, they commit an illegal act by crossing the border illegally. Um, obviously, that's an illegal act, and you charge them with that. You, you charge them with, uh, with 8 U.S.C. 1325, um, a statute under the uh, Immigration Code. Uh, but then you ultimately release them pending a court date. It's a, it's a lot like um, if, if an individual in the United States um, shoplifts at, say, Walmart, um, they get charged, uh, and then they'll get released on either bail or bond if, if a judge determines that it even requires bail or bond pending their court date. So it's a lot, it's very similar to that. They'll get released, um, but while they're here until their court date, they do get legal documents um, to be here for that period of time. But then once they don't show up to court, then a warrant is issued for their arrest and they become illegal in the United States again. Gotcha. Now, uh, uh, we've, uh, we're here towards the end of our, of our time limit, but tell us uh, what is the process with these kids that are cro- coming across. Uh, what uh, what can be done to uh, to stem the tide? Because I, uh, from from what I understand, I mean, there, there's there's thousands of them coming across, and we're having a hard time not only housing them, but what are we going to do with them? We're turning we are turning into the world's orphanage. That's that's exactly what's happening. So again, this is this is very reminiscent of 2014 when we had the the unaccompanied minor crisis. Uh, the the solution to that is the, is what the last administration did, and that is send these children back um, to their home countries uh, pending their uh, their court dates. But you know, um, um, Jen Psaki said it uh, said exactly what the administration is, is is thinking. They're not going to send these children back to their home countries. They think that it's inhumane um, because they're just going to come back here again. Well, they're already putting their 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 self in the hands of dangerous criminal cartels, and our policies continue to encourage that, and that's what we've got to get away from. Uh, it's amazing. It, it really, really is is striking to me how we seem to be encouraging, and that's the word that I will use. In my opinion, we are encouraging illegal immigration and, in particular, uh, children to come, to come to the United States, endangering You are them. absolutely correct. You, you, you are 100% correct. It is encouraging people. Once you reintroduce that magnet, you're encouraging people to, to break, to violate our immigration laws. Oh, it's really, you know, it's really unnerving to me. Um, one last question, and I'm not sure if you'll be able to answer this, is, is um, uh, what's it like for the, uh, for the uh, 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 agents on the border? Uh, have you seen an uptick in violence against them or people attacking them or resisting them? Because, I mean, uh, I remember back when I was in the Reagan administration, uh, under Commissioner Nelson, when it was called uh, INS, that people used to run away. People used to run away from the Border Patrol. Uh, now I've heard about people about agents getting attacked, agents uh, getting rocks thrown at them, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so it's, there been- it's an interesting dynamic because you have different corridors along the border. Um, we break them up into what we call sectors, the Rio Grande Valley sector, the Laredo sector, Del Rio sector, um, Tucson sector, Yuma sector, El Centro, San Diego, and there's a couple more in, in between there, El Paso. Um, but it's, it's, it's a different dynamic in each different sector. So right now in the Rio Grande Valley, the vast majority 
majority of people that cross the border illegally are giving themselves up because they know they're going to they're get released. In the Tucson sector, where people aren't being released, they're trying to actively evade apprehension. And those individuals, that's where we're seeing an uptick in um, use of force incidences, where uh, the people that are trying to get away are a lot more violent than those that are just giving themselves up. So it just it strictly depends upon what is going on in that particular corridor. But yes, any time that you see surges in illegal immigration where people are actively trying to get away, there's going to be an uptick in violence. Wow. Well, in that aspect of it, uh, we would hope that you would tell all the agents to, that our prayers and our uh, our thoughts are with them that um, that they be safe. You know, it's uh, it, it's they are on the front lines, literally, of defending our country, and it's really, it's really sad that uh, we're we're facing this kind of situation. Well, and we and we appreciate that support. I mean, again, when I when I go out there and I put on a uniform to patrol the border, it's it's nice to know that I have the support of the American public, um, knowing that that we're doing an important job, and the American public appreciates that important job. So, thank you very much. We really do. Brandon, thank you very much for taking time. We've got to get you back on again sometime soon and give us an update of what is happening because uh, this thing seems to be this this issue of, of immigration and border security is moving very, very quickly. And, and, and we didn't even get a chance to talk about the cartels uh, and what you guys face in that aspect of it. I mean, you know, that's, that's, Next time, that's, that's the teaser. Oh, man, that's it. That's it. Thank you very much. We've been talking with uh, Brandon Judd. Uh, president of the Border Patrol Agents Council, uh, the National Council. And uh, this is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer.